We are in the full-blown internet era. COVID-19 has forced everyone to rethink their business models. So what does that mean for your team and their training plans? This is the Tournament Talk Podcast, where your hosts, Tyler Childs and Sean Sinclair, are on a mission to help you make sense of the tournament world, save you time and money by helping you make all the right decisions to streamline and maximize your tournament business, team, club, or lifestyle. Let's get down and start winning at everything. Welcome to Tournament Talk. It's Tyler and Sean here, part of the Sport Travel team. We're diving into... An interesting topic that has been part of business for as long as we can remember at this point, and that's the impact of the internet and how it's changing business today. So what we're going to dive into today is talking about how it's really started to shift the fitness world, the training world, and then how it applies within the sporting landscape. So Sean has a pretty you know significant background in the fitness world. So Sean, let's start there. First off, welcome to the show. It's nice to see you again. I know this remote thing, you know, we don't get to see each other as much as we're used to. So uh, first off, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fantastic, actually. You know, this is uh, these, these Zoom meetings and uh, Facebook calls and all that. I honestly feel like I'm connecting with uh, friends and family almost more now. Yeah. And it's uh, it's been pretty cool, actually, right, to, you know, just spend some more time just chatting and, you know, hanging out with people who I normally don't, even though they're on my screen. Well, it's funny you say that because like my my middle brothers, three of us in, in the boys here, um, is is very old school. Doesn't have internet in his house. Has four children. That, Come again? <laughs> yeah, no internet. No okay. internet. All right. No cell phones. Nothing. Um, it's just the way they choose to live their life. It's simple. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's cost effective, and they love it, and they swear by it. But the guys, as a brother and big an butt, uncle, big yeah, like I don't get to see and have access yeah. to them. So it's kind of a bummer, especially in this situation where you're forced mm-hmm. to kind of be away. Like you don't get to see, you know, what feels like an eternity of these kids growing up. So uh, it's just, it's interesting to kind of go through it. And obviously you're connecting more and many, many are, right? And I just, I'm in that little bubble where, where that's not always happening. But uh, lucky, luckily, He's also old school in the way that he doesn't really care about the restrictions. Yeah. So if I was to want to go over, like there would be no issues. He'd welcome me in. Right? Yeah, so come on in. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's 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 too you know double edged sword a little bit. But um, have you been staying fit? I've seen the late night gym posts here and there with the whole family in the garage gym. Is that is that a thing that's still garage, happening? Garage fit is going strong. I've actually <laughs> on. I'll be on. I honestly, I'm working out more than I did before everything shut down. Uh, see, that's terrifying because you already (laughs) outdo all of us and now you're just exceeding further. Like, that's not right. Like, no. (laughs) You're going to have like 4,000 stolen bases next season. Yeah, yeah. I'm just working on my speed. That's it, guys. That's it. (laughs) Either that or you lost all your range of motion and you can't run at all. One of the two. Yeah. (laughs) We'll see what happens in 2021. (laughs) Yeah, right. So, well, let's get into what we're going to talk about today. So, you know, obviously... You know, we deal with a lot of things online inside of our business. We've seen the internet evolve our business and others around us. But, you know, talk about your experience in fitness. Maybe tell people where you come from, what sort of background you have in the space before we just spout off about where we see it going. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been a member of a CrossFit gym for a dozen years now or so, like well before, you know, you saw it on YouTube and Netflix and ESPN and everything. Uh, And I've been coaching there for seven, 
seven or so years. So um, kind of started, you know, as things got a little bit more, you know, prominent on Instagram. And I would say as coaches and personal brands and trainers really started to try and push content out. I mean, content marketing has been around for forever, right? But like seeing that Instagram wave of fitness, right? Kind of coming through and, you know, so been a member of the, you know, CrossFit gym um, and coaching there, but also doing some online training and uh, programming for, you know, various individuals uh, completely remote. Right. So this is, you know, something that I've seen both sides of, you know, coaching in person, being a member of, uh, you know, a gym that has in-person training and then also working with uh, some online coaches myself as an athlete uh, strictly in an online manner as well. So I've kind of got a, a good idea of, you know, the dynamics of all sides, really all four sides, if you want to look at it like that. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, let's, you know, pull at that a little bit and just kind of talk about really how you've seen it evolve, right? So maybe from the earliest days, what did fitness look like to you? And then where as it ended and as you started doing these remote lessons, like what was the biggest transition you saw in that window? So I think the the biggest, one of the biggest things is going from uh, an in-person to an online takes a certain type of athlete and individual with I want to say like a base level of fitness or base level of knowledge before you can just jump in and start working with someone completely through email or you know uh, you know in person online Um, I was very fortunate that you know I played sports growing up uh, variety of different sports was never really amazing at any maybe a little better at baseball, still playing it. Right. But, you know, did all the intramurals and all the, you know, school sports that I could. So overall fairly athletic. Right. So I had a good idea of, you know, how to move my body and how to adapt to different training methods and that type of thing. Starting then starting in uh, the CrossFit gym, um, you know, getting in-person coaching and from a a very amazing coach, Dave Henry, CrossFit London, big shout out there. Um, But, you know, Going through, you know, that coaching and learning how to move properly, uh, you know, for four or five years before uh, even, you know, looking at anything online. And it's not that I personally went outside of the gym because I was looking for something more. My life circumstances kind of forced that upon me. Um, you've heard me talk about my kids. I have uh, an almost six-year-old daughter now and then a three-year-old son. So that kind of forced me to change up my training a little bit. Right. So I think the biggest thing is, you know, I had uh, a very good understanding and knowledge, you know, as an athlete first. Uh, and then as I you know, started coaching, um, knowing, you know, what I'm looking for in a, an online coach, what a certain type of program should sort of be structured like and, you know, how to deliver that effectively. Absolutely. And so, you know, you kind of talked about circumstance change. I think that's a great segue into where we're going with all of this. Obviously, the pandemic has had a huge impact on everyone's lives in a hundred different directions. And so I think one of the things is it's forced people to be more comfortable with different things like ordering from Skip the Dishes or whatever, Uber Eats, whatever your, your fancy is. But like, that's one example, you know, definitely the six feet of separation thing is causing all kinds of different changes in Mm -hmm. businesses and deliveries and all that sort of thing. So, you know, as people have shifted, I I think the uh, desire from the consumer has shifted, right? So 
I know you kind of talked about that in-person session. You know, what percentage of the general public, if you're estimating, this is a ballpark, no one yeah, knows this yeah. answer. Like, what do, you, what do you think that percentage is going to look like on the backside of this? Do you think you're going to see 90% return to the gym? Do you think it's going to be 100%? Where, where do you think that, that number will fall beyond the traditional six-month, 12-month attrition that yeah, generally yeah, yeah. happens in gyms <laughs> in anyway? Studio. Yeah, that's, it's a real tough one. Um, it's not going to be a hundred. Uh, I can almost guarantee that, uh, you know, coming out of COVID, I think there are going to be people who are a little bit you know, hesitant to get back into any sort of group setting. Um, and I think in fitness wise, there will, you know, there has been a lot, if you look at, uh, you know, online equipment, um, sellers rogue, you know, one of the biggest ones out there for, for home gyms, you know, you can't get equipment and prices are skyrocketing. Look at, uh, you know, Facebook marketplace, Craigslist, Kijiji up here in Canada, like the prices are ridiculous. Uh, if you are listening and contemplating buying something at a markup, right, just wait, it's coming back down. I yeah. It's ridiculous. Anyway, <laughs> I'm or, a just, little, uh, or just support yeah. a small business that sells gym equipment. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, which is a little tougher. They're usually typically pretty big and, and that, but anyways, that's a whole different topic for another yeah. day. Right. Um, where was I going with that? So, yeah. So I think, you know, there's going to be people who have now set up their kind of their home gym and their garage and, you know, get out there at 10 PM, like I do or something like that. You know, I, I think somewhere you're still going to get like at least 80% back into the gym. Um, yeah. I don't think it's going to be a whole lot more than that. You know, you look at a small community, you know, fitness center, like a CrossFit gym or, a, you know, an Orange Theory and F45, like some of these ones where you're going to a class and you probably see similar people at that same time frame with 6 a.m., 6 p.m., that type of thing. You're, people are missing those groups, yeah. right? They're missing saying hi. And whether, you know, you get back and you still have to keep six feet away or whatever. That's a, that's a whole different story. Uh, but, but they're missing those groups and they're missing the accountability of, Hey, I'm here at 6am. Like where's Susie? Oh, yeah. I'm texting her right now. Like you <laughs> missed it. Right. And so you're going to get back there. And then there's people who just, you know, you're just not able to set up that home gym, right? It's either cost prohibitive. You need a, a decent amount of equipment uh, to really keep it fresh and interesting. You can do everything with body weight and no equipment. Absolutely. Uh, and I do some, you know, pretty terrible workouts with just body weight and no equipment. Well, and I here is right? absolute monster. Yeah. There's a, there's a ton you can do, but I think for the, you know, the average person out there to keep you motivated and keep coming, you know, showing up, whether it's in the gym or in your garage or in your basement, there needs to be variety. Yeah. Right. And if you don't have enough equipment to keep that variety, it's going to kind of fall off and be like, you know what, I'm going back to the gym, whether I'm going to pay 200 bucks at a boutique fitness studio or 20 bucks a month at, you know, planet fitness, you know, they're going to want to get back. Yeah. Right? And, and I think that's a great segue to where we're going with this because, you know, ultimately there's a shift from the traditional, you know, good lights of the world, gold's gyms, et cetera, all the bigger box options. And then there's been a shift over the last five to 10 years towards that boutique option you mentioned. Yeah. So I think one of the things that I, I've seen, you've seen, and we talked about before we jumped on is really shifting towards that now digital boutique as well. And so from that, where do you think that kind of goes on the backside of this? Is it something that every gym needs to be doing something in the digital space? 
is it something that as a consumer, you should be looking at those options um, as an alternative if you're not comfortable? Maybe dive into what the palette's going to be for that digital functionality after this. I don't think every single gym out there is going to need to do this to stay afloat or, you know, these, these boutique fitness studios are all catering to a certain, you know, demographic and a certain clientele and you're molding your gym to fit that. Right. So if you're targeting, you know, a certain type of clientele who really has no interest in training at home, uh, they need that in-person accountability, you know, people can do just fine with a hundred members, 150 members and have a very comfortable lifestyle and just love what they're doing. Um, I think there's going to be definitely some appeal to, you know, putting some more things online, uh, building some online training programs um, because you are a specialist in a certain area, right? So if you're uh, one of these fitness studio owners who is very good at something or just a really great hype man or hype woman, right? People want that too. Yeah. You can put together some amazing video uh, courses and training programs and sell those online and not be restricted because you're in a town of 7,500 people and you know, you just have a, a limited clientele within your immediate area. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think the, you know, beyond the gym's perception and their, their, uh, market share or demographic that they're targeting. Like I think the, the consumer is shifting as well. And so yeah. to your point there, there's always going to be people that want to be in the gym. My wife is one of those people. She desperately misses her gym family and, you know, she's seven and a half months pregnant and is miserable about not being able to, to stay active. Um, and so it, it's definitely, there's a flip side of that, but alternatively, she's also been riding the bike in the living room uh, almost daily, right? To kind of yeah. give herself some of those endorphins and stay stay on on it a little bit. So, you know, I think the the thing that you're going to see with most people is that, you know, and we'll get into the specialization of it later, but I think most consumers are now considering digital options on almost everything that they've purchased over this this last couple of months. And what what do you think? is one of the big things that, that gyms or, or clubs can focus on in the digital space to help capture, if they want, some of that, that shift in demographic. I think it's, you know, niching down very narrow. Um, you know, we looked at, you know, this is why I think those fitness and uh, the boutique studios have done very well is that you attract a certain type of person and you're not trying to be everything to everyone. Right. So if you're, you know, a coach and, you know, there's a skill that you're particularly good at, you know, you could do skipping as a skill, right? There's uh, you can do, you know, running as a skill is very broad, but you can build a training program uh, that you're that you excel at and just market the crap out of that. Right. Because there are always going to be people who just want to get better at a certain thing. Right. I want to improve my pull ups. I want to improve, you know, my deadlift, all these types of things where, you know, your, your local coach or someone that you're working with or your program, maybe you just feel is not you're not getting enough out of it. Right. right. Or like, hey, I wish I could just like ramp this up a little bit quicker. Right. And all of a sudden I do some Googling. I'm on Instagram and, you know, you have some great videos. I've been watching it for, you know three, four months. And I'm like, you know what? I'm in. You just, you know, sold this program. I've been following your videos. Boom. Here's my course. I'm in. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and I guess it jumps into the evolution of it. You know, you start talking about niching down. You know, we've we've seen this in in, in not just sport, but you see it in every business at some point. Whether you're going from brick and mortar bookstores, or you go making that jump to Amazon, et cetera, and and so on. Uh, we're starting to see that in in almost every business across the board. And really, um, what what is it that that you see as the biggest advantage that has been created over these three months? Do you think it's the the gym owners or club owners have been forced to think like that, or do you think it's that the consumer has started to think like that? Well, I think it's going to depend on you know what happens to the consumer, right? I think it's been fantastic for uh, a gym owner to be you know, forced to think outside the box a little bit. Um, also knowing a number of gym owners who are struggling um, and who have definitely lost members, you know, you're reading articles about them, you know, basically being kicked out of their properties because they can't pay rent. So like, that's not a good thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, that's not great, but for the ones who are making it through and, you know, starting to think, you know, what else can I do to make sure that I'm, you know, attracting new members, whether it's in person or online. I think that's, it's great. It's good for business. Um, It's also going to help your in-person training. Uh, And so what I mean by that is, you know, and I'm talking CrossFit specifically, I don't know a ton of other gyms and how their format go, but you know, that style of training, you know, you're still going to have some online or sorry, in-person members They come in and do their group classes. And this can apply to, you know, sports as well. You do like kind of a group program, but if you have a, uh, like a niche program that can be an add-on or a supplement to that person's membership, right? And now, okay, I've done the work. So you and 50 people across North America are all in the same program, but now you can go and do this after class, before class, on your own, when you can't make it into the gym, right? So it's good for the consumer, for sure. Uh, it's unfortunate that some gym owners have had to think like this, but I think the ones who are quality trainers and, you know, worth their salt uh, are going to come out ahead and really look at things differently and should start to excel and really, you know, push forward in their business. Absolutely. And so, you know, you've kind of danced around a little bit in different points, but, you know, the the ability to do it at home, do you think, you know, there's going to be a connectivity or should gym owners be looking at this from the scenario that, okay, I lost my, my property. I still have this crazy knowledge set. Uh, should I just immediately invest into my garage um, and a camera, right? And, and start posting this online because like, I, I think, the ability to train out of your gym is going to lead to a specialization. And I think, sorry, out of your garage um, is going to lead to a specialization, but I I think that there's going to be a place for people who are looking for training to find that niche digitally, because I think, you know, most people that go to group training and, and you probably know this better than most. My, my expectation is that most people doing a group training are just looking for general fit right? They're not, they're not training for sport or a marathon or anything like that. It's, it's just strictly like, Hey, I want to take off 20 off the baby weight or, Hey, I've been busy and have have added 40 pounds, you know, just as I've gotten to my middle age, Mm -hmm. Uh, whatever the reason is, there's a hundred different reasons to get there. Yeah, of course. Um, But that's generally what you find in most groups. CrossFit 
definitely a different community, a different vibe than that, but I'm generalizing the group. So with that said, like, I think the people that you're going to lose are the ones that don't fit that category. Because like you said earlier, they're going for that group mentality. So there's this whole other demographic that maybe were good life members or maybe were gold gym or, or whatever any of the other big ones are. Um, so that, so that group I think is the target. That's the one to focus on. So, you know, it's going to lead us into the next conversation, but do you think that those specialized coaches should be focused on the digital product for that very reason? And because frankly, it's probably where their, tar- their product fits best anyway. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I mean, you know, the, everything just kind of, you know, funnels up, right. And this is the same as you're looking at, you know, uh, youth sports, right. There are, there's a huge pool of kids who like to play sports and then there's a slightly smaller pool who play at a pretty competitive level. And then even smaller at the high school and collegiate and professional level, the same, you know, uh, format applies for fitness and what you're looking to get out of it. And what you talked about there was most people are just looking to come in, get a sweat on 45 minutes, an hour, hour and a half, whatever that is, you know, have fun, say hi to their friends and go home, you know, have a beer, have, make some dinner. Right. Um, then you have people who are a little bit more into it and maybe want to do, you know, a triathlon or they want to compete in, you know, CrossFit has competitions or, you know, they're a little bit more serious about it. Right. And then there's the competitor or the, you know, someone uh, training for, you know, scholarships and, you know, be a D1 athlete if we're talking sports. Right. So everything just gets smaller and smaller. So if you're, a very specialized coach and only trying to pull from your local area, your, you know, potential customers is just already narrowed down. Right. Plus those people that you're trying to pull from who are likely more invested in their program, right. General fitness, sports specific, whatever that is already have a good idea of what they're doing in the gym with their sport, with their training, so you can be more specific and deliver things online, whether it's an online app, whether it's, you know, Excel sheets, video, you can be a little bit more specific and talk about it that way and not have to, I don't want to say dumb it down for people, but not have to like cover everything and explain everything. You can get right to it and say, this is what I want you to do. Cause I know you already know how to do it. Well, and I think the other part is too, like one of the big things that you have digitally is like you have, you have your masses right? You have your funnels and your hooks and how you get people into your business in the first place. But most of your niche level training is going to be 10 layers deep, right? Like you don't want to give your, your highest level training to your entry level athletes, right? So, you know, that's the thing that for me, I see as a hurdle for that space, if they're unfamiliar with it, right? You know, there'll be some that are out there that have already built a business. They totally get it. They know where they need to go, but yeah. there's going to be countless other ones that this will be their first push into it over this little window here where by, you know, circumstance, they've had to find a way to survive. And so I I think that's a really cool opportunity for a lot of people to create that digital thing. And I think Mm -hmm. many, many people are uncomfortable with it, right? They they just, you know, what we're doing here, simple as a voice on podcast, putting your face on camera. These things are not easy things to do. Hearing your own voice (laughs) is always terrifying. Like, it's the really? weirdest everyone knows it right you record right. yourself it's so weird but <laughs> it's it is weird and then you're like do people judge me i don't know like who cares like that's yeah so you rip the bandit off and you realize oh it's not that bad like you yeah. get past it right and you know eventually 
um, the only person criticizing is maybe your significant other. Okay, cool, cool. I'm good with that. I have, I have that every day. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but let's let's take this into the sports side because I think this is where it gets a, a little easier for a lot of our consumers to understand um, how this fits. And and I think it's a great conversation um, because the two are so closely related, right? I mean, if you're training to be an elite athlete or if you're coach training elite athletes, you have to include this fitness component. So. It's kind of why we wanted to start there because it really opens the conversation in a lot of different ways. So if we start talking about the coach, let's start there because we've spent a lot of time on trainers. Let's, let's just change the word out and talk about where the coaches fit in here. So for me, I think the big thing, and I, and I talked about it before we jumped on, we were making some notes um, as a coach, like not every coach is, is multifaceted that can do everything. Me specifically, I was always a baseball guy. I love two things, pitching and strategy. So I think my way in and out of a, of a box all the time, right? And that's just my brain. I tell Sean all the time, like when I get up there and there's two strikes, I might as well just go sit down. Yeah. It's over because <laughs> I'm thinking about a million different solutions yeah. and it's not the one that's going to happen to me. So um, it's just over. And that's, that's where I have to be ahead of the strategy. But anyway, the point I'm getting at is that I have my area of expertise that I feel I'm strong in. Um, but I couldn't tell you how to play Sean's position in center field. I wouldn't even know where to start. I'd be running in circles. Uh, if I caught the ball, I can throw it. That, that I can <laughs> yeah, do, yeah, yeah. but I have to catch it first. I have to track it and all that other stuff. So what we're getting at is that I think one of the things I'd like to see out of coaches is that collaboration because there's so many coaches that pretend they're the be all to end all. You know, a colleague of ours uses it. They beat their chest, right? I love that analogy. It's a beautiful setup for it. Um, because it is, it's, it's a, an alpha type scenario, type A in some extent, um, kind of way to look at things, but where do you see the opportunity for a coach to really expand their toolbox, if you will, um, for, for themselves and their business, but also to provide that value to their athletes? Yeah, I think it's, you know, branching off of kind of what we talked about is those, those niche coaches out there, you know, keeping in line with coaches is, you know, setting up whether it's a uh, direct partnership with, you know, an organization, you know, if you have multiple teams in an organization um, or setting up, you know, maybe it's, you know, one-on-one training with yourself as the coach. So coach on coach training and you just kind of supplementing that a little bit. If you think, let's say your team is not in a position to, you know, go above and beyond their team fees, right? So maybe you put that effort in and get some coaching on how to coach that skill better, right? Or, you know, maybe it's just an introduction from your team now to this style of coach for these three athletes who could be a little bit better at passing, right? Um, and you're, you can just kind of have that conversation. And I think if a coach is real and upfront with a, a parent or a parent group that, hey, we are not uh, the specialists in this area. I know this coach. She is amazing. This is who we really need to talk to. And here's all the info about it. This is how I think I can, you know, coach or get your kid to the next level, right? So my wife is a, you know, cheerleading coach. We, we know that. Um, they bring in, you know, um, choreo coaches every year right? They come in, they, you know, whether it's a dance, it's a pyramid. I mean, they're all fantastic coaches within the program, but they're bringing in a specialist who is now going to push them even further. And the coaches are going to learn from that specialized coach as well. 
right? Yeah. So you're going to build your, you know, your own base of knowledge so that next season or if there's questions or you can start to make tweaks the more you learn, um, right? And I think that's an important part about being a coach as well. And I'm probably jumping way too far ahead here, but, you know, as you learn more from someone working with another specialist, you're going to be able to take what they're learning, whether it probably online or through this, you know, uh, you know, not in-person training and now apply that online and make maybe smaller adjustments that are really going to help push that kid. Well, and I think that's something that a lot of, you know, outside people or, or maybe even parents don't always understand, like to be a coach uh, and a successful coach, learning never stops ever. Right. And so whether you're going to the baseball or softball or soccer conventions, there's hockey conventions on all this stuff. And then there's just general practice coaching sessions, right? Like, there's a hundred different ways you can improve as a coach and you should always be taking those steps. So I think when we talk about how to be a better coach, everyone says, okay, how do I connect with my athletes? How do I give them better drills? How do I plan better? Well, how about you just be smarter at, at your role? And that, that means picking up books, picking up online courses, investing in yourself as a coach, right? So I think that's often overlooked. And the thing we're going to see on the backside of this is coaches starting to be excellent at it right? Like there's a lot of general media out there in the sporting world, right? You see ESPNs of the world and the Barstools and the Bleacher Reports and all these big box media companies. What's stopping people from creating the same kind of enterprise inside of of a coaching sphere? And there's been attempts at it, right? And, And I think they've done a good job in terms of data collection and drill collection and those sort of things. But I think they've really big time missed on the community component, right? And I think the biggest reason for that is it's hard to connect a whole bunch of coaches while they're beating those chests, right? Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's a conversation that, that has to be part of this education process is, okay, listen, we can all be better together. So how do we do it? Let's work towards that and, and teach each other along the way. Because, you know, I, I've learned so much from you about fitness and other things and others about other things like it's just it's amazing like how much you can learn when you just open your mind to other people so i think that's that's a big thing and and it's going to happen in person obviously but but digitally i think there's still a really good opportunity for coaches to share what they do because a lot of times clubs teams etc are isolated to a geographic location right and that means financially you're driven by what's around you what your community is so if you're a growing business in DFW in Dallas, like that area, that area is exploding. Thousands of new jobs and new businesses every day. Um, Whereas if you go to the middle of the country, Iowa or somewhere like that, that hasn't had that same expansive growth, then you're going to have some different scenarios, right? So I think this digital piece is a way to skip past that because often those people in Iowa or Ohio or wherever they're the ones that have the passion behind it, right? The other ones sometimes follow the money. And that's not to say you can't have a crossover on both of those things. But, um, you know, I think that's one thing I, I think we'll see. And I don't think the coaches, because a lot of them have been trying to survive as a business, have made it that far yet because they're trying to manage people and money and all of these other things in between. Uh, I think you're going to see that start to be a trend on the backside of this is these clubs and teams start to expand their business models and i'm excited about it because i think it really improves the sport the knowledge everything around it so i I think that's a really cool thing but um 
one of the interesting areas within that conversation, and I'll throw it back to you in a second here, um, is the off season, right? Because, you know, with that, if they are expanding this business model, your experts are going to need to be a part of that conversation. So during the off season, when you might've had off season team training or fitness training or all these things, like I think the business model should be, and it doesn't have to be in all cases, but in most cases, I think that the model should be, okay, I'm going to bring in Sean to do team fitness training for the first three months of a six month off season. And then they taper off towards, you know, spring training or camp or whatever. Um, so with that, do you think the coaches should be expanding their minds from a business perspective? If, if so, in what ways, or, or if not, why? And then ultimately, how does that impact the players on the backside of that? Yeah, well, I, I think what you're saying is, you know, looking at that off season and, you know, what is it really about? Are we just trying to, you know, make more money and have a program in the off season? which is not a bad thing as long as you're delivering value. Um, but where I think you're going to really excel as a program and as a coach is looking at your athletes uh, in the program, really hammering down like what type of program you are and what you need to offer to get them, you know, where they want to go. Right. So I think, you know, already off the, you know, off the hop, we're talking about off season training. We're more competitive. Right. right. So this isn't just, you know, your club team who has fun and they travel to a couple of tournaments. So we're already, you know, thinking about training in the off season, um, you know, looking at like we, we talked about, you know, having some sort of base fitness, um, you know, and again, that may not be the, the coach's specialty either. Right. right. It'd be a fantastic, uh, you know, basketball coach and you know everything about offense and defense and passing and shooting. Uh, but when it comes to, you know, training, that's just not your specialty. Right. And I, I think we're seeing a ton of gyms partner up with a, you know, a local facility or, um, you know, a fitness trainer and that type of thing to make sure. Um, but I think there still needs to be some, you know, more, more categories that you can funnel the different athletes into, uh, especially the more, um, you know, higher level you get, right. You're going to have kids that need to bump up in this area. You're going to have kids that need to get better at this, right. You watch all these drafts, right. That go on and they say, well, you know what, for him to really succeed at the next level, they've got to you know, put on weight and get stronger. Or he's got to up their, you know, game IQ or whatever that is, is so now how do we start to put that into our program and bring in the right people so that, three of my 12 players are in this program after X number of days and six of the 12 are in this one. And the remaining ones are in that one. Well, I think it's interesting. Like you talked about the, the, the pathways to the pro side and, you know, Rob and I talked about this on our other podcast dinners. Um, and we were talking about the realignment of minor league baseball potentially. And so we talked about how 10 years ago, there wasn't a need for these guys to, move quickly because they had to learn how to hit 95, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas today, these kids are hitting 95 on the gun at 16, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. It's, it's ludicrous, right? Like, and, and that's just a different, we're in a different era. There's no other way to say it. And so, you know, one of the things that I've seen, because this is the way I play baseball, I, I'm an IQ baseball player. You play with me. I, I'm not going to physically outplay somebody like you, right? My only way to do it is if I outsmart people. So, 
Um, that's how I have to play the game. It's the way I've been built. So for me, when I'm watching and I see all these people with all the God's gifts in the world to be a successful athlete, and then they do some of these just absolute bonehead moves, right? Like, yeah. And I'm just like, <laughs> how did you not know he was going to throw you a curveball? Like the announcer yeah, said yeah. he's going to throw a curveball. He threw the curveball and then he swag. Like, come yeah, on. Yeah. So like, like that's the kind of stuff that I think now with the digital exposure to these different things. And it's, I think it's why like baseball is a great example, why it's so hard to be a pitcher today, because there's so much scouting about release points and wrist positioning and all these other things that are tipping pitches. And, you know, it's, it's data, right. And it's visual cues and all these other things. So I think every sport has room to improve that level in the conversation. And so I, I want to see that from the coach's perspective because I want to see them coaching to that, right? I want to see them teaching, okay, we know how to make you a physical specimen, right? Because again, I'm sticking on baseball because there's so many things that I don't like about the way they coach kids today. Um, we'll get you throwing a hundred D1 scholarship, you know, like that's the pitch. Like that, you know how many kids have ruined their lives because they skipped education because they could throw a hundred and they never made it past double A, right? Like there's hundreds of them. And so I think now that we have this greater percentage of athletes in general, whether you're a track athlete, baseball player, soccer player, it doesn't matter. We're peaking earlier. And with that, now mentally we have to catch up because I think mm -hmm. there's a gap there still. I don't think the players today are as smart as the Ricky Hendersons of the world, right? Like, the Roberto Alomars and those guys in that era that were very good athletes, but they were smarter. Paul Mahler is a great example. I don't, there's lots of stories out there about Paul Mahler and the way he taught the game. Um, but, but just getting into some of those details, you, you start to see, okay, wait, these guys today, like they're more worried about how many followers they have. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's, that's a problem for their ability to be a professional. So like, I think, where we're going with this in a very long-winded way of saying it, <laughs> but they, they digitally have to help them as a coach. And as a player, you know, we talked about the coach seeking out knowledge. The players have to start seeking out that knowledge. And that is where you're going to start to separate it. So, you know, just thinking along the lines of business, like if you're a scout, why are you not building a funnel to find where your smart athletes are? Yeah. Right. If you're an organization, why are you not finding your smart athletes? It doesn't mean you need to draft all smart athletes, Right, because sometimes just see ball, hit ball, or whatever is the right move. Yeah. Um, but if you can start to find these diamonds in the rough because you're testing these other features instead of their physical ability, you might be onto something. So, like, I just that's the thing I really want to see is people pushing into to the off season training and, and making sure the academia is part of that. Yeah, and I, th I think as a parent as well, if I'm you know, looking at a potential program. And I think, you know, what a lot of coaches who might be listening is like, well, you know, if I'm outsourcing my coaching, then all of a sudden I'm just going to lose my credibility as a coach. Right. And I think that's a, a fair thought off the hop. Right. But if I'm this program director and I'm, you know, communicating with a potential family who's looking at a program or recruiting an athlete, I know a lot of them are, are that at that level is that, instead of just wins and losses or like, Hey, look, we had, you know, these kids go pro, um, you know, a lot of those kids who go pro, they probably would have gone pro no matter where they're at. Right. Well, no draft order, that type of thing. Who knows? That's a different conversation, but you know, 
I think I would respect that program more so if they had a ton of athletes just make it to the next level. Right. And it's because, you know, and I, I'm in the world, we're in this world a little bit more. I know most kids are not really going anywhere and the, the smallest of small percentages are going to go professional and make money off this sport. But, you know, if your coaching style and your team of coaches digitally in person and everything, you know, helps my daughter, you know, go to college and get that paid for, right. That's amazing. Right. Instead of just being, you know, a standout, you know, travel sports player. Uh, but we never really got to that next level to get any interest at a, at a school. Right. So well, we I can kind it, of talk about that. Yeah. Well, and I think the other part of it too, and, and is you're talking about it from the parents perspective. And I think that's a major area for education as well. Mm -hmm. Right. Because one of the things we talk about talent analysis back with the scouting point, but parents have to have that same ability. Right. Because if you're planning on taking your kid to a school, by all means, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that strategy. But by pretending that that your kid is good enough to go pro, you're creating a whole different problem for yourself. And, mm -hmm. you know, up here in Canada, like coaching, I have many parents asking me, like, well, you know, where should my kid go? Nowhere. Go to school <laughs> here in Canada because you'll play ball, you'll have fun, and you'll get the education you want. And there's great schools all over the United States. But generally, as a Canadian athlete, you're not going to get those great schools unless you have a significant grade point average or you are an absolute stud of an athlete, right? You're going to get the middle of the road, mid majors, and, and those sort of things are going to be the ones looking at the Canadian athletes. Um, so it's really something they have to consider. And, and for us athletes, you know, it's, it's just a matter of finding the right fit, both from an education and from a, from a target standpoint. So that's an area as well for coaches. Like, well, maybe you expand your training with parents and you create another revenue source for yourself. And maybe you pair that with athlete training. Like there's a hundred different ways to do it. Mm -hmm. So like, I think that's what we're pushing for here is just more or less, how do we take these coaches and make them better coaches? And, and the answer is stop trying to pretend you're more than you are. Yes. Um, so two solutions, one, lean on other people that are experts, nothing wrong with that. Um, and I think there's actually something to being transparent about hey, I'm not qualified like this. I'm going to bring in Sean to do this for me because I know he's qualified. So I'll get out of the way. He's going to be great. And I'm just going to take credit for how good we are when we win championships. <laughs> yeah. Right. And that's the answer. So on the flip side of that, though, you know, it's it's a scenario where um, you you have to, so you've, you've made yourself better by relying on somebody else or you have to find the books or the programs online to teach yourself new, new skill sets. So, I can't imagine there's too many coaches out there that wasted all of these last four months without picking up some piece of knowledge. Mm -hmm. And, and if you didn't learn something, shame on you, right? Because there's so many free resources out there. It, you didn't have to pay for anything. You could have spent hours on YouTube and become a better coach. So, you know, that's, that's one thing. Um, well, let's get into the last one. And I think this is kind of in line with where we're going uh, and where we've been talking about. You know, everyone talks about the physical fitness part of, of an athlete, right? We talked about it with the baseball reference. Everybody's always like, oh, this is a big athlete, um, runs at X time or throws this velocity or whatever. It's always been a huge part of sport. It will continue to be a huge part of sport. You know, you're just stronger, faster. All those things matter, right? And beyond that, I, I think a lot of coaches and especially low level or 
aspiring coaches are focused on drills and you know out of the box solutions to make their athletes better and that's a good starting point nothing wrong with that but i think one of the areas that i'd like to see some improvement on is that mental side we talked about in the last segment there um strategy of the game that's for coaches that's for you know the athletes it's for parents right like think about baseball and substitution soccer and substitutions right most parents go bananas why are you taking my kid out they just hit a double and a triple well they haven't hit a left-handed curveball in three years that's why right so like things like that um are part of it but then the business side as well right like you you as the industry evolves and as financial times are certainly harder um you have to be savvier with your books with your sales pitches with what your presentation is all of that's going to matter so with all of that said, John, like where, where do you want to see the, the industry go in sports in general, whether it's basketball or hockey or, or whatever, where, what do you want to see out of this from an evolution? Uh, we talked about that from the, the gym and the fitness side. What about this, this club sport, youth and amateur area? What, what are you looking for? I think it's along the same lines, but just having more options, more tools available to families and athletes uh, and more tools, the more competitive uh, that you want to get, right? So I'm joining this program and I really just want to get my kid out of the house, you know, a couple weekends a year, uh, one, you know, once a week for practice, I'm probably not super interested in a ton of extra training, right? Now, all of a sudden, uh, my daughter's going to travel, you know, two or three times a month on a showcase team and, you know, has shown some real promise. Um, as, a, as a parent, I want more available. And as that coach, I think there should be more available for them, right? And we talked about this as not just the, the physical and the drills, but, you know, more, you know, and it could be online courses for the athlete at home. Hey, now we're talking game strategy, like you're talking about there, game IQ. Maybe there's courses for parents, and this is how you can support your athlete at home, right? That's a huge issue in youth sports is parents, and parents really just need to get out of the way, right? But, you know, how to talk to your son or daughter after a game, how to coach them throughout the week when they don't see their coach on tournament weekends, like little mini courses that could be available for um, those parents. And if I'm seeing that as a parent and I come in and say like, Oh, like my kid has this, you know, going on at practice, there's these programs available that I could, you know, run through with her at home. Oh, this is for me as well. This is something that I can do after the kids are in bed or I can, you know, watch your, you know, five minute uh, videos every week on how to be a great sports parent. Like this, this program cares about my kid and, and helping us get to where we want to go. So I think essentially just having a number of different options um, around the game and not necessarily just focused on the actual skills for that game. Well, I think I like I want to term it kind of the millennial evolution, right? Because I think mm -hmm. that's what it is. Like, you know, most people look at millennials and say they're difficult in, in terms of a consumer. I couldn't disagree more. It's it's very, very simple for me. You either get value in, in you get value in one of two ways. You either pay more to get a better product or you pay less and understand what you're getting as a cheaper product, right? Yep. And that's all you know our generation is asking for. Like if we pay for something, that's fine, but we want the quality to come with it. Right. We do not want to dumpster dive for pricing, um, you know, and, and expect 
the the world like that's not what we're after like we either want to get a, an inferior product at the lowest price or we're going to get the best product at a fair price and that's all we ask right and i think that's where you're getting with this is that you know if i'm expecting to be on a showcase team i don't want to just go to tournaments and watch my coaches go nice job guys good effort see you later we'll, we're in this tournament next weekend like yeah what is the training regimen? what's the nutrition what's the mental iq stuff like all of that stuff wrapped into a coaching package and really easy to do it digitally whether you execute it all digitally or it's just a, a handbook that's the digital component and then here's what we do in person like 100 different ways to execute your program and everyone's going to do it differently so that's what i'm looking for i've been waiting years for it i've still not seen it um i've seen pieces of it the people that have started down the path but no one that's done it very well and i look at national bodies and ask why right like yep. if you're running a national body why has this not happened um and so that's where i want to see this go over this and, and i'm hopeful for it i i'm, I'm hopeful that Unfortunately, there's businesses that have lost everything in all of this, but I'm hopeful that the ones that did survive are able to see what they need to do on the backside of this. And, and I think doing the right business will be the only way moving forward. And I think it's time that the businesses that are doing bad business, they start to be exposed um, for, for not con artists, that's a little harsh, but for, for being a little bit over promise, um, as their core directive. And, and that's where I think you go with that, Sean. And so that's our hopes for the future. So with all of that said, this was a lot to, to kind of cover. It's very open-ended, but um, I think that's kind of where I want to tie it up. Is there anything else that we missed that you want to dive into? No, I, I think that you kind of hit the nail on the head there. It's just, you know, meeting expectations, right? That's going to be the biggest thing as a coach, as a program director. Uh, it's just meet the expectations that you're putting out there for your prospective families or clients. If we're talking about training, just meet their expectations and people will be happy to pay you what you're worth. Absolutely. And with that, we'll kind of move towards the end. So I just want to introduce a new podcast in our family, the bomb squad podcast. It's a golfing podcast. Uh, two great, wonderful hosts, um, Matt and Jerry. Jerry's a, a caddy out at the beautiful Bandon Dunes Resort and in Bandon, Oregon. Um, Matt is a, a local uh, golf aficionado here in Ontario. And so go ahead, check them out, whether you're on iTunes or, or Apple Podcasts, as they call it these days. Uh, give it a five-star review, all that good stuff that we want. Be sure you're subscribing. But we want to thank you for listening here today. Make sure you're following both of us on all the social platforms. You can get Sean at sport-sean and me at Tourney Boss. But until next time, it's been Tyler and Sean on Tournament Talk.